is we got into a deal to buy a bank as a private equity firm in the last couple of like months or a year. That deal can't be as sexy on paper return-wise as you once thought it was. Why would you push forward and close that deal? Because you want to close that round, get in the work so you can raise another round of capital and go into another investment because you're still making money. You're just going to make less money for that, that window of time. And the, the faster your cadence at sourcing and finding deals is, the more money you can make up by having volume now. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Hello out there, listeners. You just found the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. Sponsored by nobody, but for everybody. Right. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This week's show, we're going to cover a lot in the banking sector because there wasn't a whole lot of sexy news this week. Is it just me? Not a lot. Not a lot. That, that there wasn't, you know, there wasn't something that was just like, you know, I, I want to marry you. It was all like, eh. Right. Yeah. I, let's, I'll talk about you for a little bit. I'll date bit, you. Yeah, I'll get over bit, it. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, on that end, we're going to talk about how much in emergency savings you should probably plan to have. Uh, an article, which I fundamentally disagree with on a number of accounts, but you'll hear more about that later. Uh, some recent developments with PacWest. One is recent as tonight, and today is Tuesday the 23rd for reference. Mm, Odin liked that you did that right there. Yes, he did. See, I'm catering to his whims and desires as much as my own. Non-villain. You should try that sometimes. Yeah, I'll try. Villain. We'll talk about regional banks and how they rallied this last week and up to today as well. So we've seen some positive trends there. And just when you think we were in a good place and position, the Fed Chair Powell says rates may not have to rise. As much as expected. Totally flip-flopping. Yeah. I, <laughs> he said, man. We'll get into it. Yeah. Could you just be consistent, pal? Like, help me help you, bro. Yeah. And then um, we're going to talk about how the Fed increases uh, have now hit small businesses the hardest, which we predicted long ago. So this is one of those things we're going to toot the hell out of our own horn. Mm -hmm. Toot toot. You like to toot your own horn? Love tooting my own horn as much as I can. All the horns. Jamie Dimon is going to give us a quote. And then we'll uh, end with a little bit of a private equity talk. Mm. where the equity is not so private at the end of the day. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it goes to everybody else but you. That's what we like to call foreshadowing in the business, kids. A little foreshadowing. Shall we open it up with CNBC? Let's do it. So here I am, scrolling through my feed on Instagram, mm -hmm. and I see this little piggy bank sitting on some $100 bills and a little quote that says, here's how much emergency savings you need Amid economic uncertainty, according to financial advisors. Ooh. And I hope you're not getting your emergency savings, savings account information from CNBC Instagram post. 
I, I find that highly offensive. Why? I think social media is the educational platform of the future. Digestible? One day, children of all ages will walk into school and they will hand them a tablet and say, scroll through Instagram. You'll be smarter when you leave, kids. You think so? No, I do not think I hope, so. I hope not. <laughs> it's clickbaity, and the, the resulting article, I will give you two paragraphs of it here in a second, is just as cringe as the title. It's sad, and it's also cringeworthy because this is the lowest possible bar we're setting for people, but right. let's get into it. An emergency fund is a key piece of your financial plan. Is it? I would hope so. Especially amid economic uncertainty. The uncertainty we've talked about you to you about on this show for the last, oh, I don't know, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You still feeling uncertain about the economy side? <laughs> Big time. I'll tell you right now, I will share with you some commentary from some peers in the space without naming them. And I was I was getting livid. Oh, that's right. We got to get into it. You recently went, had a, a nice trip to New York. I was in New York uh, this morning. Yeah. yeah, and then I go to Honolulu tomorrow. Yeah, it's a it's a busy couple of days. Even though, so I mean, all this economic uncertainty, I got some numbers later on, on the show for, based on the uh, Atlanta Fed GDP now. Mm. Picking up. Yeah, man. GDP still positive. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? I'll tell you, and I think I got some good theories as to why, not some of which are not my own. Okay. But the right amount of cash depends on your household and occupation, according to financial experts. Really? That's what financial experts have, experts have to say? Mm-hmm. I am stuck on stupid today. I've, I've had very little sleep. So the stuttering, normally my fault for being a moron today is just lack of sleep. Yeah. Okay. So we'll just full disclosure. Still your fault. Most Americans aren't prepared for a financial emergency, according to a recent CNBC slash MoneyWise survey of more than 4,000 U.S. adults. More than half of Americans don't have an emergency fund, and 40% of those who have less than 10000 the findings show, mm. have less than $10,000. See how much emergency savings you need among economic uncertainty, according to financial experts. Based on some of the other articles that we've said, I would, I would have thought that that number would have been higher. The number of Americans that don't have 10% in savings? No. Don't have 10,000. 10, 10, See, it's, I'm just off, Stuck dude. on stupid. It's not, it's not going to be a good show for my intellect. It's, especially because Chris decided to have some Pizza Hut chicken nuggets before the show. It said, and said, yield. And said, and said I'm doing this because I need protein. I was hungry, man. I have, I've been, <laughs> you could have said I was hungry. I would have let you go you with that. You want the truth? I had a whole can't, bag you can't, of Chicharron on the way here, too. Chicharron's. <laughs> you know, I was in the house. I just grabbed a bag of something. I, I, mean, just, I just needed calories, But bro. that's what a reasonable person eats before going to Hawaii, obviously, to look. Shredded. That's what you're trying to do. That helps you lean out. I'm not. I'm not going to make an islander comment. Okay, I'm not going to do that. I know you're baiting me. I'm not. I'm not doing that. That's not what I was baiting you yeah. with. Your your mind took you there. No, chicharrones are very popular in Hawaii. Okay. That that's why you chose to eat them. No, but you brought them. You're accepting, like, ex- accepting. Those are in my house, man. My ex- wife. My wife loves them. Accepting of the culture. You know what? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Not doing it with you. Here's the way I look at savings, okay? I disagree fundamentally with this article, and I recognize that most people across the country struggle to get themselves into a position where they've, they've saved and put aside money just for this in an account that they're not going to touch because most people have more of an immediate need for those funds. Keep in mm-hmm. mind, we have the highest ever non-household debt, credit card spending, you know, car spending. Everything. It's high. $17 trillion. $17 trillion. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Generally speaking, we should all aim to have six months of all of our living expenses in an account for in a worst case event scenario. Right. 
that you can't work. Even though your mortgage lenders are only going to require you to show proof of two months, that's just because they want to pass some regulatory standards. You should aim for six. Well, generally speaking, most lenders have a a six-month PITI principal interest taxes and insurance in Mm -hmm. reserve liquidity. So post-close. So if you close a loan and your mortgage payment is made up of your principal payment, your interest payment, your taxes payment, and your insurance payment. Taxes on your... For the property. Yes, your real estate property taxes. So right. principal, interest, taxes, and insurance, BITI. And in some cases, if you have a homeowner's association, your HOA, yes. they're going to aggregate that monthly expense, multiply it times six, and that's how much most lenders traditionally want to see that you have in post-close liquidity. But they could After fund you it. put your down payment down, yeah. you have that much left at least. Yeah. But I remember the first property that I bought, they only required me to have two. Two months? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep in mind that your boy, your boy was rolling the dice back then. Yeah. And imagine how nervous you were when you bought it. When you bought it, I guarantee you the first thing you thought was shit. Yeah. Uh, honey, no upgrades. Some of these bedrooms are going to remain empty for a little while. Me too. I I slept on an air mattress. Yeah. For a long time. I had shutters in the front of the house before I put shutters in the back of the house. I used to wake up every morning to a sunburn. Right. It was just just the way it was for for years when you buy your first property. Now I want to contrast that lender requirement with what I think should be everyone's reserve requirement. Mm. Six months of all your living expenses, granted your principal interest tax and insurance or your rent should be the highest portion of what you spend every single month. Mm-hmm. But if you have credit card payments, if you have auto payments, whatever you're putting out consistently every single month, if you have childcare payments, aggregate whatever that all out monthly expenses and multiply it times six, that's what we should all strive to have in savings in an account we don't touch. That's a rainy day fund. I know it's a hard pill to swallow if this is a goal you're now going to start trying to tackle, especially during times like this when inflation is where it is. And maybe if some people may have lost their jobs, but this should be a goal that you have for yourself and your family moving forward. Yeah, certainly. Look, I don't think that, that anytime's a bad time to start doing this, especially if you're in a position right now where you can save. Right. Now would be the time. That isn't for most Americans. That isn't for most people. And I, I recognize that that's, that's not easy. But if you can, and you're in a non-impacted sector right now, then you know what? Then, then you, should, you should be aiming for this target. Right. So now I will say that once you get to a certain lifestyle point, if you want to have money in securities uh, and consider that as part of your, your savings, fine, all well and good. You have that money in investable assets. But I recognize whenever you do sell those, there's some time that it takes to liquidate those. So for most of us, having that in cash you know, mm-hmm. and Arun just pulled up an article and the title of the article is something is better than nothing is one of the quotes here. And I, I totally agree with that. Don't think you can save enough. Don't panic. You can build it up by stashing away smaller amounts on a regular basis, like every week or every paycheck. Yeah. If you keep it up over time, you'll eventually meet your goal. The important thing is that you started saving something. And I totally agree with that, right? You got to start somewhere. Right. And a tactic that my wife and I actually started to use when we first got married was just to get the ball rolling was we treated a transfer into our savings account like we would any other monthly expense. Every, every month when, you know, paycheck would come in, we would just send it a certain amount right over to the savings account as if it was a payment mm-hmm. and just started treating it that way. And then before you know it, six months later, you're like, oh, wow, we've actually stored away a good amount of cash. I still do that to this day with my son's fund. Uh, I think it's $500 a month that, that we roll into that thing. Nice. In addition to whatever I put in at the end of the year, every single year, okay. which is usually substantial. but. We try to aim for just consistent growth, not only in his investments, but also as we're putting money in every month. Yeah. So it all kind of multiplies up yeah. to the extent that we can. Yeah, we do it monthly as well. But you know what I used that actually surprisingly worked well for me is an Acorns account. 
I remember you were one of the first people to start this back in the day. Yeah, I love I love the concept of it. it was, I the thought con- it was brilliant. The concept was genius. So explain to people what, what it was. So Acorns is actually a company in our backyard, and they've been featured all over CNBC. And I don't really know the nexus between them and CNBC, but they've gotten a lot of press from them. But effectively, what it does is they round up all of your spending. So you attach yeah. like your credit card or your debit card. I have both of mine attached. Yeah. Anytime I spend something, let's say I go out and I buy like dinner, and it's fourteen dollars and eighty five cents. Yeah. It'll take that entire charge up to $15 and take that extra 15 cents, that round up difference mm. and put that into a savings account. I was on the edge of my seat, man. I didn't know if you were going to be able to do that math. Do the math. Yeah. Yeah. 15 cents. I know. I, I, I had to, like, I had to really, come on, come on. I'm not going to lie, man. I've had some serious brain fog. I was telling my wife this morning when I got back. So when I got back from, I left New York at 6 AM their time, 3 AM our time. Yeah. Flew back, landed in Orange County at 8.30 a.m. our time. Drove from Orange County, London, LAX. Drove to Orange County about another 45 minutes or so, about an hour. Mm-hmm. Got to see my wife at like 9.45-ish, right? And I was telling her like, look, there was a period of my life where I could function off like two, three hours sleep a night. I know. And be good. Yeah. And I'm at the point now where if I don't get like six, like five or six I will feel hazy, and I feel very much hazy right now. The fact that you can still function on five or six. I remember I used to tell Odun all the time back in the day, like, I felt like I functioned better off, like, four to five hours back in the day. Now, I get five hours of sleep, forget about it. It's, it's just weird. It feels very, like, tactile, tactilely different. Like, it's just, yeah. everything feels, like, muted. It's, and it's very si- weird. And then ever since I started listening to Mind Pump, too, I start to pay attention to all the other things that happen throughout my day when I only get like four to five hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Eating habits, the worst. Yeah, I just had a bag of chicharrones and some chicken strips. <laughs> just like, whatever, I mean, whatever. Just give me something. I just, I need need, I just needed something in. Because I'm using it as fuel like just to keep me going because mentally I am stuck on stupid. It's okay. Kind of like the Fed. Yeah. Oh, the Fed. You want to get into the Fed right now or you want to get into West? I feel like the Fed's a good segue into PacWest a little bit because we can talk about what the Fed Chair Powell wants to say. So let's let's do this. Uh-huh. Fed Chair Powell, according to CNBC, says rates may not have to rise as much as expected to curb inflation. Right. Now, granted, the man who's been at least optically very sincere in that we have to look at the data and wait to, to have a pivot like that about him in the news suggests a very different Fed secretary perspective that I think would make the market very happy. Right. Cites uh, two key points from the article. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said Friday that the stresses in the banking sector could mean that our policy rate may not need to rise as much, keywords, as much as it would have otherwise to achieve our goals. Now, Wait, to me, on, that dude. didn't mean we're not going to increase rates. Wait, but hold on, hold on. Let's also take a look at this. Let's see. The stresses in the banking sector could mean, okay, he's recognizing the stress in the banking sector. Hold on, hold on. I thought this shit was sound and resilient. Sound and resilient. His last what, words. What, what, what's the going? banking sector is sound and resilient. We do not expect there to be additional impacts to banking. Yeah, I didn't know he was cousins with our boy, Dave Ramsey. Well, when you say stupid shit. <laughs> you know, yeah, they're a kid. There could be a nexus. Yeah, there. exactly. On balance, which is, I hate that. On that expression. Yeah. On balance, Powell said inflation is still too high and pledged the Fed would stay steadfast Mm -hmm. in its goal to reduce prices. Yep. He's coming for your commissions, realtors. He's coming. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why why doesn't he like them? Why? What's wrong? Why do you hate real estate, Powell? Right. Uh, So this is kind of the backdrop. There's been a very 
dynamic discord, I think, in the news. So news cycle one is, hey, oh my God, the debt ceiling, what are we going to do? Oh no. <laughs> Even though it's a non-event. I mean, every, every time someone asks me, they get so frustrated that my answer is, who cares? <laughs> and they're like, oh, what do you, rates could go to eight and a half percent. No, it's not. 78 of the last 78 times I raised the debt ceiling. Right. This will only be political fodder for people to bargain for what they want. Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, I don't care what you are. It's just a negotiation tactic. They're going to pass a debt ceiling yeah. raise the 79th time this time. And all of this will be fodder for something else to be front and center in the news when this is all done. The debts, the, yeah, you should be, they should be more concerned with where we are in the debt ceiling other than like, will yeah. they or will they not pass it? No, no, no they're going to pass it again. But where this is going to take us to, we're going to reach another new level in a couple months or a hundred percent. Or as a kid say, hundred P dog. <sighs> Arun quoted the article, many people are currently experiencing high inflation for the first time in their lives. That's Powell quoting me on the show. He listens. He has to. He knows. He knows what's up. 14 years of artificial you know, interest rate deflation. Yeah. Many of these entrepreneurs are experiencing it for the first time. They don't know what the hell's going on. The man without a They think you're playing, JP. Yeah, JP from the hood. Yeah, high key, bro. JP from the hood. Bars. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a headline to say that they really don't like it. Yeah. He said during a forum that also featured former Fed chairman Ben Bernanke, a.k.a. BB, the original Ben Baller. I mean, JP. (laughs) 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 I mean, he also goes by daddy to Jerome Powell. Jerome Powell calls him daddy. Hey, son. (laughs) I can see that happening. You know, Powell's looking at him too. Like, he's like, hey, you fucked me with that 2% target mark. Yeah, you fucked me. All right. That's that's what he's that's what he's thinking about. And Ben goes, but you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the banking sector for a brief moment. Let's ruin and for those of you listening you know, while you're driving, you're like, why why is Chris being so like pointed with his comments? Because we clearly went off topic with the direction and Arun's trying to shift around articles right now. Going, yeah, exactly. What in the actual shit? Yeah. So, so let's go back over to Pac Poor West. guy, too. He tried to he tried to <laughs> confirm beforehand. Like, so this up. is the right order, right, guys? No bitch. <laughs> It's the order I say when we're live. Yeah. Okay. So PacWest sells 2.6 billion in real estate loans at a discount. Kennedy mm-hmm. Wilson to buy the portfolio of 74 loans, assumes funding of existing loans as well. PacWest is seeking to boost liquidity on regional bank turmoil. So, in response to this, this sector, which Powell was once quoted as saying was sound and resilient, PacWest right. is now doing some things to clear the decks and to make room for more liquidity. Right. Remember, so if, just as a refresher, PacWest was being viewed as the next domino to fall. That them and uh, Western Alliance, after the collapse of you know First Republic, Signature Bank, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, right? So everyone was assuming that PacWest was going to be the next one to fall. So before you go there, I went down the rabbit hole. I was on a plane for hours and couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. And you give me a bunch of caffeine, I'm on a plane. I just you know sit there and. Really? Caffeine still affects you? I feel like it doesn't affect you anymore. It doesn't, but it's just, I I don't really sleep well in public places because I'm always afraid you're going to show up and put something in my ear and it's not going to be your fingers. You don't have to to worry about your ear, my friend. Yeah, that's exactly why I don't like, one of these days I'm going to mess around, I'm going to wake up on a plane and you're going to be there in a very precarious position. We're both going to go to jail. I'm going to have to say I know him, but I don't know him. And then there's all this record out there. I've got nightmares, bro. Right. They're real. I mean. They're visceral. At least you're smart. So I started looking at the trading activity 
of the trading volume. And for those of you who don't do this, mm -hmm. I always think it's a good idea to look at two things when you're looking at a stock price if you're just kind of scanning. Oh, this is good. Number one, look at the stock price relative to its day change and then whatever investment horizon you want to look at it as. Right now, I'm looking at bank stocks on a day percentage basis. So if a stock like PacWest is trading up 10%, I don't really care about the dollar amount that it's going up or down. I only care about its percentage relative to its peers. Right. How much is PacWest trading percentage-wise above its peers that day? Right. Today, just an example while I'm burping mid-sentence, uh, they had a 7.74% rise, but I know having watched the stock today, mm -hmm. they were up as much as 12 or 13% midday. Yeah. And they've also been up 45% over the last five days. So, and it's shown a progressive trend. So the market is responding very well to the strategic actions that they are taking, despite the fact that the Fed secretary may or may not be softening on his position. Besides the fact that they took a $200 million haircut on this deal. They sold the loans for $2.4 million. $2.4 billion. Billion. Billion dollars. Billion. <laughs> a little, a big difference there. <laughs> little typo. But uh, yeah, $2.4 billion. Took a $200 million haircut, which they're going to have to recognize mm -hmm. when they report for this quarter. Right. And it was bought by this Kennedy Wilson holding company, which purchased the group. There's only 74 loans, which is interesting. Right. So, but this, this will increase their, their cash position, which they have had some pretty significant liquidity withdrawals for the bank run fear, which right. leads me to the second point. Whenever I look at a, a stock, particularly a bank sector stock, is I want to look at their trading volume relative to their peers. There you go. So the trading volume of this bank today. Mm-hmm. Was, I think was over 60 million shares. Can you go back to that, Odun? Go back to uh, PacWest uh, trading information that you pulled up. Please. So by comparison to its peers, and I looked at Western Alliance and several other banks today, they didn't trade. So let's see here. Um, the trading volume is not on this. Yeah. Here, I got it on, on my app. Yeah, you'll, you'll figure it out. Just comparing PacWest. There you go. Uh, so that volume today, 66,034,000 shares. Average volume, 30. 29 million. Oh. So... They were more than double their average volume. Their average volume is only that high right. because they've been in the news. And the reason why I bring this up is I want to highlight how impactful social media and traditional media and having your name in the news is. Mm -hmm. If you look at similarly situated regional banks, they typically trade about a million or less shares in volume a day. Wow. So they're 29 times now that on their average volume and 66 times that on the volume today. Now they traded up. Mm -hmm. But that's how impactful having your name out there can be. Right. And, and this does also one thing to also note is apparently there's a lot of people out there still shorting these banks. The number one shorted stock in, in the month of April yeah. was PacWest. Yeah, absolutely. So I got this right here. Over the past week, traders added $2.1 billion in short positions in regional banks. And so far, they've suffered a $1.1 billion in paper loss. So can we have a little sidebar? little intimate sexy session of some things that i may have heard and while i was in new york that i think are relevant here okay please say please again finally i've been trying to get this out of you all night you know i find that you crave it more whenever i don't give it to you right away <laughs> okay does that make you feel any type of way no Please. That was an awkward pause. His face turns red yeah you look you look very red your, no, your sweater I'm and your face the same I'm color right now i'm trying to clean up the show <laughs> <laughs> Until so, we get some sponsors, Chris will not be cleaning up the show. So in talking to investors and other friends in, in the city, 
One of the questions I kept asking people is, I don't understand the banking sector right now. Why is why are people trading the way they're trading? Right. And I pointed out similarly situated banks. And the the resounding theme I heard by really educated traders was interesting. It wasn't a take that I had thought of, but it makes a whole ton of sense. Okay. So if you're an institutional investor, a big company, Fidelity, whoever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And you're buying stocks right now. Why would you buy a bank stock? If you think the probability of a recessionary economy is real, and you think that banks are going to be impacted, and then there'll be a great buying opportunity, you want to buy at the low point. Mm -hmm. And right now, until the Fed effectively stops increasing interest rates, you're you're not necessarily positive you're at a low point. Now, a bank could trade at a percentage of their tangible book value, and a lot of them are trading well, that's below what I, That's what I was going to say. You say, why would anybody, why, why would they buy, you know, some bank stock right now? Is I don't think that, you know, these stock prices that we're seeing are their true tangible book values. So no. if you believe that, you know, the, there's going to be a pause in rate hikes moving forward, I but, would like to- why would you, why would you, your belief is irrelevant. Right. Why would you do anything before they actually do it? Because then you could you would be theoretically getting on a low point. Like let's say for instance, no, no, no. PacWest, PacWest has gone up forty five percent in the last five days. Forty five percent of five dollars is not a lot of money. <laughs> no, no, I get it. No, I get it. But I'm just saying that if you think that it'll continue to grow go up, which fine. But keep in mind too that a lot of these institutional investors already had bank stocks, right? And those particular portfolios that they invested in have already gotten hammered. Which brings me to my other type of investors that are out there, people who specialize in bank sector stocks, and that's all they buy, banks and real estate related sectors. You've been crushed yeah. by the by the stock market lately. So you're not you're out. You're not gonna buy because your your investments are all down, you're gonna wait for them to go back up, right? Mm-hmm. If you're institutional, you're gonna wait and see a little more evidence and see where things go. Right. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna buy places in long-term investments and you're gonna offset that risk with shorts. Oh. And you're gonna short the one, mm-hmm. the one sector that you feel is probably the most at risk right now until that certainty of the Fed's actions creep over happens. Right. And that's the banking sector. Absolutely. And for right now, unfortunately, the media and and generally the, the atmosphere has pointed that directly at PacWest, which is mm-hmm. it fair? No. Is it justified? Probably not. But they are where they are. Their trading volume is what it is. And they are clearly under the, the focus with that degree of, uh, of scrutiny. And it's, and mm-hmm. it's not going to be easy for them. But I look at all this to say, I don't think any of it stops. Until the Fed pauses interest rate increases. And I'm not sure they're yet there yet. I, I want them to be. Right. But I'm not sure they are. So the the company that bought this portfolio from PacWest, it was 74, I believe 74 loan, commercial loans. Mm-hmm. And they're also also publicly traded. They're based out of Beverly Hills. They're oh, so hard. I know. They have their focus. So they're who are the Kennedy Wilson Holdings. Have you heard of them before? Mm-hmm. Their focus is on multifamily and office properties yep. located in Western U.S., the U.K., and Ireland. Mm-hmm. Very odd. But they currently have $23 billion in assets under management. The loans that they had purchased, they're also going to assume all future funding obligations of about $2.7 billion. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean exactly of the loans that they bought? They had unfunded commitments. So they may have been construction loans that had additional funding that are needed. They may have been uh, bridge lending, which they did a little bit of as well, where they're basically taking a property and taking down portions of it at a time to rebuild it, improve it, and then re-rent it out at higher rates. So they think that they, they can offset their risk by just taking a $200 million haircut? You know how before the show started, you said, Chris, let's talk a, lot, a little bit about private equity on this show, because I think people 
would like to know why private equity is fucking the market a little bit right now. That's exactly what I wanted to do. And uh, well, this is this is kind of what that is. Really? A little bit. So when when you think about private equity, I want you to think about it in the context of people are taking money, mm-hmm. usually in the form of an LP, a limited partnership. You can call it angel investing, venture capital. It's all private equity. It's all the same thing. Okay. Lots of sexy words out there you hear about and on podcasts like the All In Podcast. But effectively, they all do the same thing in slightly different variations. And effectively, what that is, is they raise money from other people, mm-hmm. usually wealthy people, right? They have a, or like, a, you know, some cases they have a ton, ton of money in their own. They can do it on their own. Okay. And they'll invest, but they're investing in private companies or they're investing in assets that they think they can get a percentage of and take, take public or, or take and sell and turn around. Okay. But that's usually structured in a management fee and a percentage of, of the gains. Percentage of profits, right. Right. And I think the standard percentages we looked it up before the show or I did was two and 20. Yeah. So 2% management fee, 20% on, on the profits. So not too dissimilar from real estate syndicators like a Grant Cardone who's out there taking you know, this fee and that fee or like a real estate property manager takes three to 5% for managing a property, but then also has some upside in here, here and there on, on certain parts of the deal. And, and but sometimes they get, they get like sweat equity. Correct. Right. Which winds up being, you know, five, 10, 15% of the equity of, of the deal without having put any cash into the game. Private equity is not very, very dissimilar. As you start to get over the sensationalized uniqueness of this like language. Yeah. You recognize everybody in the business of money. Mm-hmm. They have a balance. The balance is really simple. Am I going to charge you more and take on more risk? Or am I going to charge you less and take on less risk right. for a safer investment? Mm. Banks typically make more safe investments. So you typically get the best rates from banks. Right. Private money lenders or hard money lenders typically do things that banks are not willing to do or can't do from a regulatory perspective that are riskier. So they generally charge you a lot more. And certain hard money lenders will say, I'm just going to give you a big high-ass rate and you got to pay those higher payments. Mm -hmm. And some of them will want some skin in the game, some equity deal because they're trying to model like a private equity model. Right. Right? There's all sorts of different ways to do this. And this is where that creative financing space gets really romanticized. On, so how like, do they? Media. So how do they typically then get in and take control of a company? Oh yeah. So when private equity does this, they usually want board seats. Mm-hmm. They want direct control and involvement in the management decisions, mm-hmm. and they want to say. Yeah. And sometimes they they want a pretty significant position of power to make those decisions. Right. And sometimes it's like we're in the driver's seat. We're going to get your company where we want it to go. You're an operator of our business now, effectively. Right. Because when, when I'm thinking about it or the ones that I've heard about and read about, it doesn't really seem like they care much about, you know, the success of the company long term. For them, it's more about turning it for a profit. 100%. And that, that's why a lot of companies are really hesitant to turn to private equity. Now, there are always good, good use cases and bad use cases and people that are great in the business, people are not so great. But Private equity has certainly been labeled a demon in a lot of instances for doing exactly that, right? Yeah. My job is to get you across the finish line to where I can take this this mon- this investment and liquidate it. Yeah. And make a huge profit for my limited partnership investors. Right. And of course themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Plus they're making their 2% management fee along the way. Right. And so right now during this time while banks are you know, pulling back and waiting for to see what the Fed does and if they're going to officially stop raising rates come June. Because mm-hmm. we know that right now this isn't a credit crunch. Banks are not holding back and not lending because of that. Right now they're just holding back because they want to see what the Fed does. 
right? If banks continue to stop lending or hold back after the fact, then you can consider that, you know, them tightening up their, their guidelines or whatever. So what's happening, what we're starting to see is private equity based on this Reuters article, they're starting to step in and lend as U.S. banks start to pull back. So solid, solid segue. I see we went, you went a little long on the on the on the winded you know path, well, but you got, got there. Had to, had to yeah, set it up properly. So I got a couple bridges to cross with this. So this article, uh, unbeknownst to you, when you posted it here, uh, private equity stepping, steps up as lending in the U.S. banks pulls back is not necessarily the way the article from Reuters here describes it. Okay, mm-hmm. I have it here too. I, I put down the first. I don't read any articles you post. You'll have to talk to me about it. Yeah, so here you go. The turmoil facing U.S. regional banks has prompted some lenders to step back, leaving space for investors such as asset managers, private equity funds, and insurers to lend more. Non-bank lenders with deep pockets have invested in credit assets for years, but the regional banking crisis could supercharge their expansion into areas such as providing consumer car loans and mortgages, or financing the construction of buildings, according to industry executives. So the way private equity works is they do capital raises, Mm -hmm. and they typically have to close the raise and invest those assets before they can move on to the next capital raise. Got it. And their life cycle depends on this continued growth. Yes. So for them, they need to deploy this capital. So people are like, well, Chris, why are they buying now? Why are they so aggressive getting out there? Number one, they're going to get paid more because they, they have a bigger equity stake mm-hmm. and they're getting a management fee. They could probably charge more. They, and they likely will charge, well, they, they will charge more from the company, not from yeah. the limited partnerships. Right. Right. So their job is to give them a return on investment. And what they, what they will do is they'll try to put their money out and deploy that capital, even though the market is what it is right now. Wow. So a lot, a, a lot of people that I, I, so private equity deals, if you got into a deal to buy a bank as a private equity firm, the last couple of like months or a year mm-hmm. that deal can't be as sexy on paper return wise as you once thought it was why would you push forward and close that deal okay because you want to close that round mm-hmm. get it get, get in the work so you can raise another round of capital and go into another investment because you're still making money absolutely so you're just going to make less money for that that window of time and the, the the faster your cadence at sourcing and finding deals is the more money you can make up by having volume now so the t- the type of loans that they're doing i mean they're, are they private equity? They don't typically hold loans to maturity, then, right? Well, they're not generally loaning money; they're investing money, right? So, what they're doing now by stepping in and potentially doing some car loans and mortgages, I mean, they're investing in the businesses that'll be providing them, right? Because that, they want they want their out from it. And they that's want a, to be sc- that's a scary thought to think about because you know, just like hard money lending, it props the things up for a little while, yeah, just for a little while, and then when it goes south. It's it's not so good. Yeah, the yeah they're gonna pay attention. Come knocking. So, I would say like um, Chamath and some of the guys from the All In podcast have really done a huge pullback from taking companies public vis-a-vis SPACs. I think Chamath re- returned some money. SPACs. What's the ac- acronym stand for again? Uh, look up the acronym. I don't have the acronym down uh, by heart, but basically it's it's a very new and interesting way of taking. Well, I shouldn't say new. It's a new way of taking companies public that has been grown in recent years. Mm-hmm. That traditionally, I don't know. You look this, look this up. It's SPAC. There you go. Yeah, special purpose acquisition company. There you go. Right. So, in the last year, year and a half, I saw more SPACs taking companies public than I'd ever seen before. It's very mm-hmm. untraditional. So, a shell company formed to raise capital to acquire an existing company, which stands for special purpose acquisition company. So, so they no, create no this like a syndication. Also known as blank check companies, SPACs have existed for decades, but their popularity has soared in recent years. In 2020, 
247 SPACs were created with 80 billion invested in 2021. There was a record 613 SPACs uh, IPOs. By comparison, only 59 SPACs came to market in 2019. So you can see there was a dramatic increase over the right. course of the last several years. And right now that whole space is effectively dead. Right. You're not going to take a company public this way unless it's something sexy. So, uh, and even then, so at the IPO, SPACs do not have business operations or stated targets for acquisitions. So basically they raise capital, mm -hmm. take them public, then bring your company into it. And all of a sudden you're a public traded company. Yeah. It's, it's really like a back door. Yeah. I thought you would like that. Yeah. Nope. You don't like the backdoor way. I don't, I don't like. He loved it, dude. I, 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 he gave you a head nod. He did give me a head nod. No, you know we're on video now, right? I know. My, People the head, can see this. The head nod is to acknowledge I saw what you did there. Ah, uh, yeah. SPAC shares are structured as trust units with a par value of ten dollars per share. Mm -hmm. Investors in SPACs range from prominent private equity funds, shocker, and celebrities to the general public. SPACs have two years to complete an acquisition or they must return funding to investors. Yes. And that's why Chamath returned his funding to investors when he didn't find a company to take public in his SPAC. Very honorable. They, us they usually use the celebrities uh, just as a face, right? I mean, you can. It just gets more attention to what you're doing. So if you're trying to take a company public and having a celebrity as a component like that. Right. I mean, it's in my. if I'm being honest, it's kind of a douchey way of doing things. Right. You know, it, look, I understand if you're like an older retired celebrity and you're using the last of your your cachet to sell Propecia or something like that. Like, good for you. Propecia. That's I, the, that I, was the first product that came to mind. Tell me what's really going on, dude. <laughs> we can't all of have all, a thick head of locks like you do. Of all the products. <laughs> at, this, at the investor conference that I was at, yeah. I looked on the, everybody's significantly older than me in the room. And, you know, I get it. I'm, I'm young. Shit to do what i do but I, I thought to myself like how how pissed off must they be that i'm here and i'm a vocal asshole like yeah. i because not not because i'm trying to be mean but because i'm trying to i'm trying to push the alternative view to see what people because i so understand what was the seminar about it was a chief credit officer symposium right okay and a lot of the chief credit officers banks will go to these things and they'll talk about what their experience was and honestly they were so optimistic and like positive Mm. that i was seething i'm in my chair going god damn it don't do it chris don't do it and i just popped off positive and, and here i am with a dude with a glorified mullet you know and i'm sitting in the in in the room and i got tennis shoes on and i'm clearly dressed differently and and um and i get i get why they're looking at their portfolio saying we are not experiencing credit defaults right loans aren't going bad for us right now yeah so they're like you know we might have a softy meet the soft recession <laughs> yeah and as soon as the guy said that, my, my, my mind, no, I was we're like, not, no, no, we're not doing this. I was like, God damn it. I got to be an asshole again. Yeah. I got I to do it. Yeah. And I'm like biting my knuckle going like, please don't do it, Chris. Yeah, yeah. And then I did it. What'd you say? And I'm like, so you guys talk about soft landings, hard landings, no landings. I'm like, this doesn't concern you? Yeah. And in my head, all I saw was a bunch of heads down in the sand like ostriches. It's just like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and I get it because they're, they're, this goes to kind of what we were talking about on the show where this is not a credit tightening cycle yet because there haven't been credit defaults. Okay. So people aren't saying, you know what, we're going to narrow our box and we're going to only focus on these really, really similar high quality credit deals. We're going to tailor our program down to really get less volume in. They're just saying, look, we're not going to deploy as much money right now because it's just more valuable by not us not doing that and having more money on our balance sheet. Right. So from their perspective, this is not, a credit issue. They're they're like we're really optimistic. We're really good, and 
The room was positive, and I'm just such a negative asshole that I was like, this is this yeah. is not good. Well, Jamie Dimon just recently came out and said the easiest way for a bank to retain capital is just to not make the loan. But which is what they're doing. Exactly. It was what they're doing. Including including them. But he but clearly they're not listening to him because based on this CNBC article, Jamie Dimon warned soaring commercial real estate loans could threaten some banks. Well, so I, I want to, I, I want to I, get I your take is, on this. I think this is over over sensationalized. Really? So if yeah, I, don't, I don't think it's as bad as, as the market perceives it to be. So office space, yeah, problem. Right. So with with what's going on, that with what's going on in you know the office space, right, commercial office space, mm-hmm. and we're we're seeing all of these outrageous like vacancy numbers, which are like okay, this is not sustainable for whoever owns this building long term, right? So some point in time, they're going to have to get this resolved. Yeah. I mean. How much can they withstand? How long can they withstand? You know, they're vacant and people are letting go of their leases or they're not able to lease up those units. That's my fear is what happens with all these commercial real estate loans. I don't know that there's an immediate threat. I mean, keep in mind, too, that every couple of decades, there's a bit of a renaissance in how we as humans shop. Yeah. Right. Amazon was supposed to shut down retail. Mm -hmm. It did certainly impact the market. Right. But I think we saw a pivot. Anchor tenants that were high traffic walkthrough tenants, mm-hmm. your Costco's, your Targets, mm-hmm. those became really, really important. Yeah. Because people go there a lot. So now you want to build retail around it because the foot traffic will bring sales there. Right. I know that office is. But if we're thinking about San Francisco, San Francisco's got a whole different situation. That's there. my and that's my thing, right? So we know a lot of companies out there are shrinking their office space. They need Batman. He just shined up the, shined Dave, up the Dave light. Chappelle said that. That wasn't me. No. <laughs> Dave Chappelle said that. <laughs> Did he really say that about San Francisco? He was like, y'all need Batman. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what happened to y'all? He apparently did like a, like a surprise pop-up like act. Yeah. Or like a act. He did a show in San Francisco and he was just spent the entire 40 minutes just tearing San Francisco into asshole. Which about talk about what happened to you people. Which reminds me, I have to talk to you about after the show because my wife and I are going to go up there and want to get uh, to San Francisco? Yeah, restaurant recommendation in July. So we got some time. Oh man, there's a lot of great restaurants there. Yeah, there is. If you depending, if you're willing to drive outside the city a little bit, yeah, some of the best Michelin star restaurants in the world are there. No kidding. Yeah, there's uh, one in particular which is I want to say it's closer to Hillsborough, but nice, very nice. Okay, it's a whole culinary experience. All right. Yeah, but you won't leave hungry. You'll want to get like Thai food afterward. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll leave hungry. Yeah, you're gonna leave hungry. Yeah, you're not gonna leave like you're not gonna leave satiated. No, I'm not doing that. The hell? That, that's, that's how like those. those that's how fine dining is, right? Oh man. This is a creme brulee of... You went to dessert right away. Huh? Creme, creme brulee. That's, that's <laughs> so we went... Everything's bite-sized <laughs> at these Michelin star. They really are. Like, I'm not like the bad person. They're, they're an experience. Okay. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Like, it's aesthetically very pleasing, and there's a whole story, and there's all sorts of smoke and, you know, garnish. It. For me, it's not... But then, I'm like, good. I mean, if, if you order a steak, you're getting two one-ounce pieces of steak. Come on, man. And, oh, yeah. And you're going to pay, like, $1,200 a pop, too. <laughs> What? It's ridiculous. I mean, I'm telling you. Like, and then it's always a, like a prefix, like meal. You're not going to be able to order whatever you want. I mean, you're going for the experience. That sounds like a terrible experience. There's a restaurant up there. I forgot what it's called, but it's like a 38 course meal. But each one is literally a spoon. 38 course meal. Have you ever been yourself? No. Wait, uh, I, my is, friends go. That 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 doesn't. There's sound- so many lies there. I don't even know how to unpack that. Number one, we don't believe you have friends. Number two, 38 <laughs> is very specific for you to not recall never going. Why would you? Oh, why, why are you? That's so mean of you to say he's got friends. 
Go ahead, take the shot uh, now. I'll stop. let you do it. Go ahead, do it. Stop being the villain. Go ahead, do it. Sarah Eunice is my friend. Yeah. Well, yeah. Great friend. I do not Great recall friend. who that is. Yeah. Okay. So, but that sounds like a terrible experience. Like one spoon. What if I like that spoon? Give me another one. No, no, I mean, yeah, it's it's not, it's a thing. Yeah. No, not for me, Chief. Like, okay, so the office based in San Francisco before we get sidetracked, right? San Francisco is different though. It's it's an it's it's an anomaly, man. I've seen the popular hybrid model that's that's getting adopted by a lot of companies, uh, not ours. But Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they're being having being forced to come into the office, and Monday, Fridays, they're hybrid working from home. Okay, so what's wrong with that? So they're able to shrink their office space by doing so, mm-hmm. and now these, you know, huge commercial property buildings are remaining that much more vacant. No signs of people coming back. Okay, so couple different options. Okay. One of them is very hard. You work with the municipalities and you rezone some of these for residential. And we are seeing some of that. It's okay. very across, hard to do. Across, I think I think it's happening in Miami. Uh, yeah, Miami's got a whole housing. Miami's housing boom right now has got to be unprecedented. On some, I mean, it's ridiculous. Right. The amount of high-end multifamily construction there mm-hmm. and conversions that are taking place yeah. reminds me a lot of San Diego when the condo yeah. conversion prices hit. I talked to... He was a kid, younger than me. When he told me what year he graduated, I almost shit myself because I realized I'd already gotten through like law school and I'm like, damn, I'm that much older than you are. But he was, he's a brilliant kid and I have a lot, a lot of respect for his ideas. He said to me, this is, I did not prompt him. And you know how much, he's like, I think we're headed for a double dip recession. Double dip. And he, he, was, he was painting this picture like it's 08 all over again. And he's like, I, I've spent tons of time studying this. Like this, I see the same things. It's the same rosy optimism, but all the warning signs are there. Right. And I'm like, son, is that you? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah no, I, and look, I, I see some of this stuff and I think to myself, okay, like San Francisco sounds a lot like Michigan and Detroit, you know, Motor City. Mm-hmm. When the, the vehicle manufacturers pulled out, they had to find a way to re-identify themselves. Mm. A lot of tech is pulled out of San Francisco. Yeah. The state, and it's politics. One problem, the tech sector's impact. Another problem, work from home, yet another problem. How will they reconcile that? I don't know it's that they have an answer. And I know. And, but if they can get some of these properties rezoned and ultimately put that many more units online, I mean, that would help the uh, overall shelter component. But is more density in a big city like that of people going to help or make it worse? They already have a massive homeless population. They're not moving into, the, into high, high-rise condos. You right. know, right. Uh, multifamily they're, not, they're moving into that so like, there, there's a whole lot there to unpack but I do think that San Francisco is an extreme mm-hmm. you look across the country office space will be stressed and to Mr. Diamond's point a lot of this stuff has a real low duration like three years and that loan will come due right you know that loan will pay off or they'll, they'll refinance traditionally speaking investors in real estate they refinanced every couple of years or they sold the property and went to a different type of property they sold a property, they usually 1031 exchange, a tax deferred exchange into another property, usually bigger, right. or make them better money, money, or be somewhere else or a different sector that was still an investment property. But I think what we're going to see of now is way, way less cash out refinance, which is the other type of investment you typically saw uh, from a loan perspective, is a lot of these investors would pull some cash out, improve the property, and raise rents. Right. I think at best you're going to see rate and term refinances, no cash out. I would hope so. Maybe some cash in. But in order, in order for them to even qualify for that, uh, rate and term refinance right now at, at this Fed funds rate of uh, five and a quarter, they're going to have to probably bring some cash in. It's not going to qualify the same. 
Erwin, that was a good article you just found, except a little window popped up. Can you, uh, thank you, sir. All right, sublease space as percentage of total office inventory. Fourth quarter of 2019, San Francisco, 2.8%. First quarter of 2023, 7.2%. So if you have a lease in a commercial lease, like an office space, yeah. you are generally allowed to sublease the space to somebody else. Right. That'll generally help you pay for your obligations, but you were still on the hook as the original lessor. Right. Generally, they don't allow this for your apartment building or your, right? So San, yeah, for, for residential properties, this is really, really allowed. Uh, San Francisco, 2.8% to se- What the hell? To 7.2% of ruins, moving stuff around a mess with me. This is why y'all make me sound stupid on the show. Yeah, it's You guys plan this. It's intentional. I thought you were reading the quote on the bottom. It literally said San Francisco. I was trying to scroll down for you because the mic's in the way. So you're not paying attention to the show. Should we talk about his uh, editing mistake too? No. <laughs> I think he did it out on purpose. I think he was like, look, if I fuck this up just enough, yeah. they'll never ask me to edit anything again. That's not true though. <laughs> I'm going to double down on that pressure. You can double down on the yeah, because we know the easiest way for him to learn is to just do it all over again. <laughs> I have no problem doing it again. I have the fuck me, fuck me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that instills a lot of confidence. I tried brother. so hard. I have. I tried so hard and got so far. Oh, anyway, so Phoenix was one point two percent fourth quarter of twenty nineteen. Now first quarter twenty twenty three five point seven percent. So. They've actually gone 5x, whereas uh, I think you got 3x in San Francisco. So mm. by overall metrics, Phoenix looks like a worse growth curve. Seattle, 1.9% in fourth quarter, fourth quarter of 2019. In first quarter of 2023, they were 4.5%. So mm. similar trends by far and away. San Francisco has always been higher to start with, but has gotten a higher, a significantly higher uh, subleasing space. And look, it's 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 trend in the market. This article is from the San Francisco Standard. Never heard of them, but sure. Yeah. Titled: These companies are trying to shed but massive amounts of San Francisco the, office the, space. The fear, though, also is that we know that with the Fed rate increases that we've experienced so far, I believe ten rate increases has really impacted small businesses. So, small businesses, uh, I believe, is considered employees i mean there's one from one to nine employees and then anything under 250 employees as well oh you mean just like the general definition of a small yeah, business yeah. yeah i look at small businesses not on the employee count i know that that's one way of looking at them i look at them on, on revenue right and for me it's as simple as this mm-hmm. a company with top line earnings revenue yeah of a million dollars and less is a small business anything yes. above that to me is a big business okay and that's not, it's not like a technical definition. There are some reasons why a bank would want to look at that that way. And from a regulatory perspective, but are you talking about gross revenue? Gross. Okay. Yeah. If you make, if you're making less than a million dollars a year in my mind. So a room pulled this up from the census. Uh, it defines, uh, small businesses by firm revenue ranging from $1 million to over $40 million and by employment from 100 to over 1500 employees. For example, mm-hmm. according to the SBA definition a roofing contractor is defined as a small business if it has annual revenues of 16.5 million or less. And see, like you can break it down by sector and compare like how, how big is a business in a right. sector like that, like roofing contractor. Mm-hmm. That's way more complicated than I think that anybody needs to look at it. Right. If you're running a business and you're making a million dollars in top line revenue or less, right. you're generally a small business. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you're generally more appealable to banks because they have to deploy their, their money to small businesses like you with top line gross right. income 
of a million dollars and less. But for some of some of these companies that are, have been experiencing some vacancies in some of these commercial real estate properties, my fear is, you know, how many of them are not hybrid employees anymore, and how many of them are actually been laid off because. We know now that U.S. companies with between one and nine employees laid off or fired 341,000 workers in March, more than twice as many in February, according to JOLTS. JOLTS, which is the favorite uh, employment spectrum, kind of like metrics, targets, whatever you want to call it, Yeah. Uh, for the FOMC. Right. So we know with the Fed rate increases, it really impacts these businesses. We've talked about it on previous shows. that. A lot of them carry these lines of credit to help them with working capital, mm-hmm. right? And these rates on these lines of credits are going, they're more than double. Index plus margin based pricing, right? So they had an index and the mm-hmm. margin was generally, you know, two or three or whatever over that, over the index. And, and right. that index has gone up. A year ago, their interest rate on that line of credit was five, like around five and a half. Now they're looking at 10 and a half percent. Yes, some of them. Right? So I've um, seen, I've seen lines of credit as high as eight and a half, nine percent. Just several years ago, we're closer to four, and people are really, really upset by it. And it's like mm-hmm. nothing changed, guys. Like this right. is the same line of credit you had before, but when pricing was lower, you loved it, right? And now that it's gone up, which we always knew was a possibility, you're really mad that it went up. And it's well, that's normal, right? That happens exactly. You just haven't experienced it in 14 years, exactly, and. For smaller companies, it's not, at e- it's not as easy for them to raise capital, right? For bigger companies like Meta, I believe they just issued another round of bonds, right? They were able to raise $8.5 billion capital that way. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, smaller companies, they can't do that. Which begs the question, why does Meta need bonds? Yeah. Well, y'all got enough money. After another round of layoffs. I know. Just seems. I think they're going through it again this week. Yeah, probably are. Is that, is that the rumor from inside? No, no, no. I think it's public. Oh, yeah. okay. Almost as public as f- former Fed Chair Ben Bernanke saying there's more work ahead to control inflation. Like, listen, man. you Why, why you got to poo-poo on everything, bro? Yeah, dude, you should just... <laughs> you're retired. You're retired. I mean, you're a laureate now, right? Yeah. Just wear your green jacket. Go hang out with Tiger Woods. Yeah. Like, go be a laureate. Yeah. Why are you making Powell's job that much harder? Like, leave him alone. I think he doesn't like him. I think he's like, how's that 2 three, you know, 2 3% target yeah. taste there, pal? Yeah. You know, in my, in my day, it was much more difficult. Yeah, I'm going to give you some highlight reels here. Former Fed Reserve Chair Ben Bernanke thinks central bankers still have work to do to tame inflation. Says a lot without saying anything. Mm-hmm. A paper from Bernanke and economist Oliver Blanchard notes that inflation has evolved since ballooning to a 40-year high in the mm-hmm. summer of 2022. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's saying a lot without saying, what, what the fuck does evolve mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they still have work to do. Yeah. Yeah, no shit. Thank you. Right. It's evolved. What is it, a fucking, like, Tamaguchi pet or, like, a fucking Pokemon or some <laughs> shit? Like, what? Oh, well, yeah, well, we know, I believe, so, actually, it's worth noting, the day this episode drops, what date is it? Um, this episode's going to drop Friday? No, no, no. We have an episode dropping this Friday. This is, we actually recorded an early one. Um, this Friday, uh, Core PCE comes out. Um, and the last four prints were 4.6%, 4.7%, 4.7%, and 46 uh, in March. Hmm. So that's pretty sticky. We know that that's the Fed's preferred gauge to measure inflation. 
So we'll see what we'll see what comes out and if there's still a lot more work to do. It's not gonna be a good print. Not good enough. I'll tell you right now, it's not gonna be a good print. Any, and remember, anything above four percent is still double the Fed's target rate. I do want to read this one last quote from this article because I know Rune has a tendency to wander that mouse around and click away from stuff. He likes to wander a little. He huh? does wander a little bit with the mouse. And look, there he is, bobbing it up and down. Look, Bernanke. Bernanke's got his hand up in there. Hey. <laughs> yeah. He looks like he's doing some kind of Afghan dance. In a discussion about the paper, economist Jason Furman noted that fiscal policy played a large role in boosting inflation, but the less forgivable sin, though, was monetary policy. Damn, that's... Wow. Jerome Powell. He took a shot at Jerome Powell right he there. He called him out. He said, this is your fault, dude. Uh, Jerome, you know, um, fiscal policy. Mm-hmm. Played a little bit of a role, but uh, the less forgivable sin was what you did. Yeah, you personally. You did this. Yeah. You and Kashkari. And Kev. Neil. Neil. Can we just call him Neil from now on? <laughs> no, man. Come on. Cash. Straight cash on me. No, I don't want to give him nicknames anymore. I want to, I want to strip him of his nicknames. Do you, I'm, do I'm you, very upset with do him. Do you know where He's the, been very cavalier in the press do you know, lately. Do you know where him the- Him and Bullard out here just throwing bullets. Do you know where the quote, uh, straight cash on me, uh, comes from? Why would I know that? I don't know. I'm just asking. Do you know? I have no idea. So there, uh, Randy Moss caught this touchdown. Sports okay. reference. How am I? How am I going to? Do you know, know this? No, I don't. Okay, so Randy Moss caught this, caught this touchdown in his in his cel- in his celebration. Oh, uh, don't Dude, don't bring Neil up, man. Cash card looks like Yahoo Finance. You clean shaving and and just accepting the. Bro, he got a double chin. Don't do that to me. You see that second chin underneath his first chin. That's a double chin. See the, the line below his chin and the line right above his Adam's apple? I don't feel like I'm... That in, is what we like to call the Arun smile. I don't feel like I'm in a place to comment on his physique. I'm in a place to comment <laughs> about his physique. Although he does look young and shit with the bald thing going on there. He's nice, nice and fitted. He's like a Bezos vibe. He's trying to be... He, yeah, he's a poor man's Bezos. He's trying to be a poor man's Bezos. That's what yeah. it is. He ain't Bezos. He got engaged with Lauren Sanchez, finally. I saw that. Yeah, that's what happens when I fly too much. I'm like, oh, he got engaged. Good for him. <laughs> I think. I don't know. Yeah. Very conflicted about it. So anyways, Randy Moss catches this uh, touchdown pass in his celebration. He he turns to the crowd and he pretends to moon them. Gets fined by the league. Right? Why do you know? You know how much wasted space you have with sports shit like this? <laughs> yeah, this is hilarious though. This is not. Reporter, reporter asks him after he gets fined, how are you going to pay for this fine? And he says, straight cash, homie. <laughs> Just like that. That's where it comes from. Arun, can you do me a favor and remind me the next time he starts telling stories just to stop him midstream because it never sells? <laughs> what about his quotes? Dude, yeah, your quotes quotes are suspect sometimes, My man. My quotes? People, I got I got love on that poem. From one person from Canada. Yeah, they never... Come on, man. They never and they never posted. actually posted. For all I know, that wasn't real. That was just you playing around with emails. I had another one. What? Another Canadian uh, one comes I, through? No, I have another poem. I had another poem. You yeah, don't read it. I'll share it. Don't I'll, do that. I'll save for another Let's day. Let's take a vote. Arun, do you want to hear another poem? If yeah. if you like you son of a bitch. If you like I hope you enjoy re-editing that show. <laughs> if you like Said's poems, please go ahead and leave leave us a review and I'll make sure to bring another one on at the end of every episode. Only if it's a limerick. Okay. You know what a limerick is? Yeah. You know you don't. Yeah. No, you don't. Come on. Who doesn't know what a limerick is? Room with the limerick. Googling it now. <laughs> 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 By the way. Apple, 189 reviews. Shout out to our Apple listeners. We're still missing quite a few there. Mm-hmm. Spotify also. 
that ticked up and YouTube. People are starting to realize that we're on YouTube. Yeah, I know. People are like, wow, they really suck. Wow. So they can watch them suck. They finally actually did it. Even I feel like today's drop, the 23rd today, mm-hmm. today's drop was the best video quality, although Said really didn't like it. I didn't like it. That we put out. Just the color difference was largely worked I out. Thought, no, I thought uh, previous episodes had better lighting, but the camera was still fuzzy before. The camera wasn't as fuzzy on this one, but the lighting it was too But you bright. do realize with lighting like this, I can take the shadows out. I can change the colors. Whereas lighting with that, you just kind of get what you get, and I can't really edit it that much. Yeah. I can't add more brightness to it, but I can take it away. I like, I like the cigar uh, lounge vibe more. It was a little too much. You don't like your wrinkles being front and center on the screen? I'm fine with my wrinkles. I'm, I'm accepting. I'll, although I'll say this, this little mark right here really bothers me. This sunspot. Let me see. Yeah, sunspot right here. I never noticed before. Yeah. I, how well's got me on a skincare routine plan? It's a lie. I noticed it. Why don't you use the, the, that's the, 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 the ad? <laughs> that's so fucked up. Oh, I, 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 so I got this thing. Now too. I'm so like, conscious on. about it. I got that scar over my forehead every time I look like, like this. People are like, why do Dude, so my wife sets me up on this skincare routine. Okay. I love you, sweetheart, uh-huh. for caring enough about me. Comma, but. Yeah. This shit takes a long time before bed. Yeah, I do it every night, man. Every, every night. night. Every morning. There's a five step process. Yeah, bro. And then you have, this is the part that bothers you me about it. You got good skin. Shut up. Enjoy it. <laughs> this is the part that bothers me the most about it. What? You have to sit and wait like a minute or two in between to let it like dry before you apply the next one. Yeah, because if you do it, it gets slimy. It doesn't work really well. It doesn't, it doesn't set. Yeah. I mean, it, oh, dude, I've had like that same. 2023. We can't just figure out one lotion to put and it, it works for everything. Come on. What's going on? Dude, self-care it should be this. Pro- like, I got a shiny buff today. My nails, shiny buff. My toes too. Toes. I mean, I get the hand stuff. You know what? Hold up. No, 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 no. no stop it. No, no. Chris, stop, stop. <laughs> Take that in, everybody. Got a shiny buff. I got off a plane today. Normally, this oh. bad boy be swollen. Take that in. Come on, man. There are listeners out there who beg to see feet, bro. Don't judge people. You out here? Ju- go ahead. Here, get get that in the shot. There you go. <laughs> get, get that in. There are people out there who got like foot fetishes. You got to play into them too. Give them what they want. I'll leave this up here for y'all to watch. Yeah. The toes. Oh, we've officially Let's, went off the rails. Chris yeah, is tired. We didn't go. I am exhausted. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man. Shiny buff. That, that was, that was right, a very nice little thing. That, that was what, what you got. That was your treat from coming back from New York. So tell me, anything, anything you want to share from Wait, New York? Was that your choice or the wife's? No, my wife was there. I I wanted to spend today with my wife. So that's, that's what I did. But uh, Honestly, I mean, you know what that means, right? Uh. Joe saw your feet and she's like, man, them shits right here. They need some work. I don't know that she actually saw my feet. I think she was getting her nails done. She, she probably, bro, she's been married to you for quite some time. Though. She knows. She knows what. How we- often does your partner actually look at your toes? Come on, man. What how often mean? do you look at your own toes? What do you mean? Every day. What no, are you, you don't. About? You don't. Stop it. I know Arun doesn't look at his feet every day. <laughs> yeah, I do. I wear sandals every single day. You, oh, he, you, you he are not to. a sandal candidate. He has to. He had, that, he had that ingrown problem that he had taken care of. What? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, hey. If my dirty laundry is getting thrown out here, so it's yours. You had an ingrown <laughs> on your foot? I had two ingrown toenails, yeah. Ingrown toenails? Yeah. Goddamn. <laughs> Actually pretty common. Like It's, <laughs> it's not that common. Have you had an ingrown toenail? I've never had an ingrown toenail. Does anybody you know besides him ever had an ingrown toenail? Nope. Not a single person. So do they rip your toenail out? Yeah. Oh. Ooh. Why? To grow again. Which, which toe was it? Um, both of my big toes. Oh, both. Fuck, both. Wait, I thought it was only one. Wait, that's almost. A, it's to the point where like I would consider just taking off the toe. You take like, off. You just, just cut it off. Just fuck yeah, the toe. they trimmed it from the sides. Your toe or your toenail? Toenails, man. 
But did, no, did they take the, the whole nail out though? No, Wait, no. did they numb you? Yeah. So oh. you went to like one of those podiatrists that does like the whole. Oh, don't bring it up on screen. I don't want. I'm not see doing this. that. I'm not doing. No, that. no, no, no. Uh, we're not. We're not sharing that. The, that that's that's not necessary. Videos. I'm not doing that. So when you went to a podiatrist, did he say, "Oh my God, your toes are ugly. Oh my God, Let me cool. fix it." Or what, how, how did this come? How did you wind up going there? Did it hurt? Um, basically, what happened was about a year ago, my wife saw me clipping my toenails, and she's like, "Why are you like going into your toe?" I was like, "Oh, just because it hurts." And she's like, "What do you mean it hurts?" And I was like, "The toe like goes in a little bit." She's like, "You have an ingrown toenail." I was like, "Okay." So she scheduled an appointment. I went and saw the doctor, and the doctor was like, "Yeah, you just need to get it cut." And they just cut the toenail. It and wasn't then, anything extreme. And then that fixes that fixes the problem, like long term. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Lots of questions here. So how did, that you, that could happen from wearing like tight shoes, right? Um, tight shoes. So you wore high injury. heels a lot. Yeah. Wear <laughs> high heels a lot. <laughs> um, what do you call it? Wearing tight shoes. Um, getting your foot stepped on. Any incidents playing sports? Which, yeah, Chris, I don't play sports. <laughs> He's like he's walking. Bro, you threw he's, out walking, a bunch of, he's walking right into this. The most probable one you threw out was the high heels, man. <laughs> People stepping on your toes a lot. That didn't Playing happen. sports. That didn't happen. Bro, I've seen your ankles. <laughs> Ain't nobody can get to your toes to those things. <laughs> man. Wow. Okay. Well, shit. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. So you had to wear sandals for like a couple weeks afterwards. That was going on? Um, literally, they said four days, but I've always worn sandals. Like, I knows this. I won't say he'd hate me wearing flip I hate I I honestly I can't do the whole flip flop thing. If you wear flip flops with pants, like I don't like you. <laughs> honestly. That's a little rule I live by. Like flip flops and, and like any type jeans? of pants. Oh my god. Wait, you wear it with jeans? Joggers? Joggers I could probably get I could probably get okay with, but like if you're wearing like flip flops and jeans or flip flops and khakis. Yeah, well his his joggers are khakis. Like these. <sighs> Debating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I look, I, I wear sweats whenever I do the show. Like I'm not I'm not taking it down. But what I'll I'll say is is like look like I, I feel like if you're wearing if you're wearing like Javiana, like flip flops, like true ones like that, or like the leather equivalent that people wear all the time, the, the rainbows, ra- whatever those are, yeah. The rainbows, that's what he's got. Yeah, you should be wearing shorts. And if it's not short weather, you shouldn't be wearing flip flops. Right. Unpopular opinion here. Okay. I can't stand rainbows or the, the sandals that come in between the toes. Hell no. I, I, I don't mind Javier. Slide, slides rainbows, only. Rainbows bother me. Slides only. No, no. Slide, look, first of all, you, you did not play in the NBA. No. Okay? What? You, you need to give up the aesthetic. What do you mean? Like you did. <laughs> no. I know you think that your feet have to be rested in slides because you listen, like athletic. I, I have you to slides with socks. That's how it's Slides with socks. There you go. I'm not showing. Listen, That's actually come back in recent look, years. I'll well, give you that the one. The only person that I don't wear socks around is my wife. I feel too, like I can't just have my toes out for everybody. That's weird. That's a that's another level of so confidence. So you have like a toe fetish then? No, that's just another level Look, of confidence. I'm not going to judge you if you do. Like I like I'll respect you. Like if you like your toes sucked on. No, no, you're wildly confident if you could just show your toes to everybody. Let me ask you a question. If somebody licked your feet, would you say something? Like would you like No, would when you be okay I when I that? when I get massages, I tell them you please know nothing else because I I'm like super ticklish. You would like it if somebody licked your feet. Like no, you're no, no. you're a low low toe guy, huh? No, that's what's never, going on right now. Never. Well, if that's sensitive, bro. No, it makes me laugh, bro. Have you ever had a pedicure before? Uh, no. Yeah, I know it's going manicure. On here. Yes, though. Why not a pedicure? Because no, I'll start laughing. I don't it's too erogenous for you. I don't right? want to giggle like like a little schoolgirl. It's too erogenous for you. I get it. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, look, I know what's going on here. Listen, don't. I know exactly what your porn hub is. Don't 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 flip this around <laughs> on me after you got your 
Manny Petty today. I'm very open with sexuality when it comes to stuff. I don't care. I didn't say who, who made it a sexuality thing. You did. I did not say. I said you're confident. You said you can't even have a woman massage your feet without you. I, giggling did, I did not girl. say a woman. I said man or okay, woman. Okay, whatever. It's good for you. I'm not judging. I'm just saying, yeah. like you know, you you got hypersensitive toes. A hypersensitive feet. <laughs> you ever you ever been in like a foreign country where they do like foot massage? Like I went to Thailand, got foot no. massage all the time. No, I did not. Really? You, dude, you're missing out on life, bro. It's so good. No, I, I mean, I, I can do the back massages. I love the back massages. I used to go once a week when I was playing a lot of sports and like training a lot. Like, I'd go once a week and get like one of the like the Asian style, like hard like foot massages where they like really dig into your feet. I mean, feet need special care, man. They're, they're putting up a lot. Do that or have, you know, whatever he's got going on in there going on here with <laughs> your toes. Like, you don't want that. That's another reason for not wearing sandals, by the way. I think that beats, this, beats up your toes pretty bad. Yeah. Beats up your feet pretty bad. You get all nasty. Yeah. Welcome to Higher Standard Kids, where we talk to you about your economic financial literacy needs and your toes. Yeah. Anything else? Anything else from New York that is worth sharing? Uh, let's do some highlight real stuff. So I went to uh, the Centurion uh, new like dinner place there. New uh, Centurion have, like, dinner so place. So at one Vanderbilt, they have at the Centurion... Black card members can get up there and they have like a restaurant thing. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful view. 55th floor of one Vanderbilt. Beautiful view. Food, drinks, overpriced. Meh. Yeah. You know? What'd you get? Steak? Uh, I ordered like a bunch of stuff. Steak. Bunch of, tried a bunch of different things, but it's all, you know, very small meals. And yes, I did have Thai food afterward at like one o'clock in the morning. My sleeping pattern is all jacked up. I love New York, man. It's a, it's a beautiful place to be, but I didn't get time. My favorite part of the city is Chelsea. Okay. And I didn't get a chance to get down there. I wanted to see, oh, uh, Daniel Allen Cohen was actually there and I wanted to see him. He was actually the New York Stock Exchange um, and he was oh, in no town kidding. for some arts because, you know, he's the guy who does a lot of art for studio and everything else. But yeah. And I was going to try to link up with him and then I had to reschedule things to get home a little earlier because I want to spend some time with the family and then I have to go to Honolulu tomorrow and then yeah. Honolulu to Maui and then Maui back home on Saturday. So. I didn't get to see him. I'm kind of upset about it. And he left me on red, so I think he's not very happy about it. Right. Listen, Daniel, I love you, bro. It's, it's not personal. Right, right. Not vacation trip. None of it's vacation. Yeah, it'll all yeah. be work. I'll so, be work. Despite the fact that everybody's like, oh, you go to Hawaii? Like, have a great time. Aloha. And you're like, no, dude, it's work. Like, <laughs> Aloha. Yeah, I know. It's, it's got to be so hard. And you're like, no, it's real work, man. They're like, yeah. no, no, come on. Yeah, on Hawaiian time, though. That's a real see, thing. See, don't do that. That's a real it, thing. It's a different culture. Yeah. There's, like, a, there's a New York time. Yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Yes, you are. No, I'm the dad. Yes, did you not. are. It's the one place to ruin and his toes can feel, feel free. You know? Be out there with sandals on. Very appropriate out there. So, sandals on a Hawaiian shirt. You can pull it off there. Yeah. They, they find it almost disrespectful if you come in there with like a suit. Yeah, I think that's changing a little bit. I think so? I think it's changing a little bit. But yeah, I'm exhausted and uh, I'm out of uh, good stuff for tonight. So we'll cut the show off here. And, uh, you know, we hope to see you on the next episode. Very Dr. Dre outro, but I'll take it. Good night, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.